Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. This morning we'll be in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. And uh, here Jesus has another contact with John the Baptist. We saw in chapter 1 when uh, John the Gospel writer was telling us about how Jesus was the Word who was with the God, with God and who was God from the very beginning, how there was a man sent from, John, from God whose name was John who came to bear witness of the light. We see that in chapter 1. So we have this linking of Jesus' ministry with the ministry of John the Baptist. And then later on in chapter 1, we see John again. John is the one who has come before Jesus and he's pointing out Jesus saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who has taken away the sin of the world. Who takes away the sin of the world. He said, It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about Jesus. It's about Him. He's much greater than I ever was. He came before me even though He was His cousin a few months older. John was in the womb of of, uh, Elizabeth, his mother, whenever Mary came and visited and, and he leapt for joy. This John... His whole mission was to point to Jesus and say, He is greater. And here we see the same thing. John here is confronted by some of his followers saying, people are following Jesus. And they're leaving you behind. These followers of John must have been more zealous for John than John was. John's answer was the same that we'd seen before. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Let's look at what our text says. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Enon near Salim, because there was, the water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person can receive cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase but I must decrease. He who comes from above 
is above all. He who is of earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He who bears witness, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard. And yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, speak to us now. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Open our eyes. We want to see Jesus in all of his greatness and majesty. And Father, be with me, weak and frail sinner. Give me strength to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin with the scene. Jesus, after his confrontation with Nicodemus, after he tells Nicodemus that he must be born again, after he tells Nicodemus these things that Nicodemus does not understand, he goes off into the Judean countryside. And it says he remained there for a while. He wasn't just passing through, but he remained out in the Judean countryside for a while, and he was baptizing there. We know from later, verse 2 of chapter 4, it tells us Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. From the same book, only just a few paragraphs later. So Jesus' ministry was baptizing there out in the wilderness, or out in the countryside. And John was also out baptizing. He was at Enon, near Salim, not far away, because water was plentiful there. We'll pause there just a little bit. We know John had been baptizing before. He was over by the uh, Jordan River before, where he had run into Jesus. Now he was out at Enon near Salim because there was wa- plentiful water there. I don't want to spend too much on this. This is more of an aside, but just a little bit of an explanation. Baptizing. What is baptizing? Um, <laughs> thank you, Josh. Dunking people under the water. <laughs> right. That is exactly right. The word in Greek is baptizo. So whenever it was translated into the English, they didn't actually translate it. They just took the Greek word and they Englishized it. And what the word means is to dip, to plunge, to stick something under the water. Um, That's one thing that uh, we Baptists, in our view of baptism, have going for us. It's the meaning of the word. 
We don't sprinkle, we don't recognize sprinkling because baptism, according to the word itself, is to dip, to plunge. And just a little bit in support of that, John was baptizing where he was because there was much water there. (laughs) There was much water there. He needed a lot of water. If he was just pouring water or sprinkling, what was the need for him to go to a place with much water? It's not conclusive, but this is something that does point to our view of baptism. And people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Now, that's the scene. Jesus is out in the countryside baptizing, and so is John. John is also out near this place baptizing. And John still has his followers. And one of his followers begins to have a discussion with this Jew about purification. Now this purification uh, in Judaism, there were many different kinds of ritual washings. You, had to, you see that whenever Jesus has conflicts with the Pharisees where they had to wash their hands in a certain way before they could eat. And this is not so much about hygiene, but it was about holiness. Jesus, uh, John's disciples, they were having this discussion about purification. He was probably asking questions about his baptism. About John's baptism and what what this all means. This was new. This was different than anything that you had in Judaism in the Old Testament. So this Jew and John's disciple were talking about this and they came to John and they asked him this question. Actually, it wasn't a question. They're just pointing out something. They say, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, talking about Jesus, To whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. And here's this question. John, what are you going to do about it? They're following him instead of you. What are you going to do about it? You're losing a following. John, he wasn't shaken. He wasn't surprised. He didn't tell him, well, we we just need to try harder. (laughs) No. John answered that that was his point. That was the point of the whole thing. John, verse 27, answered, a person cannot even receive one thing unless it is given from heaven. John was baptizing before Jesus came along and he had many people coming to him out into the wilderness to be baptized and that's because God was sending them there. God was the one who was bringing those people out there to be baptized. And now, things had changed. John's ministry had been successful, bringing lots of people, but now, Jesus was on the scene. And all the people weren't going to John anymore. They were going to Jesus. John's recognition is this is from heaven. This was God's plan. This was God's design. This was what God is blessing. 
It can be sometimes the tendency among us as Christians to become jealous when we see God at work in other places. We say, oh, God is blessing over that, that church over there. God is blessing at this ministry over here. God is blessing in all these other places, but why isn't He blessing here? I think John's words here are instructive to us. A person can't receive one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. God's blessing is not going to be received through marketing or any other thing. It is given from heaven. And then he says, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ but I've been sent before Him. He's pointing back to what He told before. I'm not the one that this is all about. This is about Jesus. This is about the one who uh, you saw me with on the other side of the Jordan who's baptizing and all kinds of people are coming to Him. Verse 28. You, uh, verse 29. The one who has the bridegroom. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. And the friends of the bridegroom who stand, hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. He's talking here in the analogy. He's saying, you go to a wedding, and it's the, the friends of the bridegroom, when they see the bridegroom, they rejoice. It's not about the friends, is it? When you go to a wedding, when you go to a wedding, it's not about the visitors who were there. It's about the couple, Right? It would be rude to go to a wedding and expect everybody to look at you. <laughs> the, the wedding day is about the couple. It's about the bride and the bridegroom. John here points this out. He says the friends of the bridegroom, they're not supposed to draw attention to themselves. They're supposed to atten draw attention to Jesus. Draw attention, draw attention to the couple Jesus came for His bride, the church, for us. The friends of the bridegroom stands and hears Him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. This is what I came for, John says. This joy of mine is now complete. This promise, like what we read in Jeremiah earlier, it will be like when the voice of the bridegroom is heard and there will be much rejoicing. John here says, my joy is complete because that day has come. That one who would sit on the throne of David is here. That one that we will see the Lord is our righteousness set about is here. And there can be Nothing but rejoicing. John finishes what he's saying with, He must increase, and I must decrease. John says, It's not about me, it's about him. You know something about this text? John gives us an example of what is a kingdom mindset. 
We need to have a kingdom mindset. It's not about us. It's about His kingdom. It's about getting the Gospel out and cooperating with one another to see that Gospel go out in whatever way it can. We need to see things in terms of a kingdom, in terms of God's kingdom, rather than our own little kingdom. Verse 31. John, the, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle who's writing this now begins to comment, summing up what we've seen in chapter 3. He says, He who comes from above is above all. Who's that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We've seen this already, how we saw the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came from above. He came from heaven to earth. He who came from above is above all. He is above all things. He is greater and more glorious than all. He who is of earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. Jesus was different than anybody else. He was different than any human being. We're all of earth and we can't speak with the kind of authority that Jesus spoke with. Jesus is greater. He who comes from heaven is above all. Verse 32, He bears witness to what He has seen and heard. Yet no one receives his testimony. Jesus came from heaven and he bears witness. He has the truth. He has been in heaven. He has been by the Father's side. He came to reveal all of that to us. He is completely believable because he's been there. And yet, no one receives his testimony. I think back to what we looked at last week when it said the light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. And when Jesus, this light of the world, came into the world from heaven, he testified about the way, the truth, and the life himself, and no one believed his testimony. None of us do of ourselves. Faith is the gift of God. If, it were, if we were left to ourselves, if we were left to our own sinful natures and inclinations, we would never believe. Nobody, in comparison to the whole world, nobody believed. And Jesus was taken to a cross and He was crucified and killed because people did not believe. Yet He rose again. Verse 33. We were just told, no one receives His testimony. And then He turns around. Verse 33, whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. 
whenever he says no one receives his testimony, he then turns around and says, whoever receives his testimony. There's a paradox here. We in ourselves would never believe. But he sends the Holy Spirit. The foolishness of preaching and the Holy Spirit coming down. Our eyes are opened. As John said, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind blows as it wishes. A man must be born again. One who is born again is the one who receives the testimony of Jesus. He sets his seal to this, that God is true. He testifies, God is true. He is faithful. He is doing what He promised. He sent a Messiah to save us. And just like Jeremiah says about this one, the Lord is our righteousness. What does that mean? The Lord is our righteousness means that we are not saved by our own righteousness. But the Lord is our righteousness. He is the one. We're just sinners. We throw ourselves on His mercy. And He gives us His righteousness. Whoever receives His testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For whom... God, he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for He gives the Spirit without measure. He followed that up by saying He gives the Spirit without measure. There is no limit. There is no limit to His giving out the Spirit. First, He tells us no one will receive the testimony then he tells us those who do receive the testimony affirms God is true. And how do those do it? By believing. By being born again. By receiving the Spirit who He gives without measure. Whoever believes. Whoever believes. This is open to whoever believes. And verse 36. Oh no, verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. You know, we often talk about God's love for us. And He demonstrated His love for us in sending His Son to die on the cross for us. But John points out something else too. The Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son, and this is more than just like what we experience, what I experience between Josh and me. I love Josh. Right, Josh? <laughs> I love Josh. He's been in my life now for seven years, and I couldn't imagine living without him. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> But the Father and the Son were a part of the Trinity from all eternity. 
The Father and the Son loved one another through all eternity past. There was no beginning to their relationship. There was no beginning. It was infinite in His love. And the Father loved the Son and He gave everything into His hand. This is part of where the world is headed. There will one day be a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God's plan for all of history is to that, that the Son would receive everything to the glory of God the Father. The Father loved the Son and He sent His Son. And verse 36, John reminds us again of what we saw in verse 18. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. We conclude our text again pointing to this decision. Do you believe on the Son? Do you believe on the Son? If you believe on the Son, you have eternal life. And notice that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Present tense. Has. He doesn't say will have has eternal life. Already possessing it. You believe in the Son, you already have eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son, I think this is parallel with whoever believes in the Son, whoever doesn't obey the Son is the one who doesn't believe. Whoever doesn't believe shall not see life. shall not see life. We often, what's popular in the movies these days is zombies, right? You see zombie movies, you see uh, the the famous shows that are on television, people are watching um, um, Walking Dead. I'm not criticizing or anything like that, but that's just drawing attention to something that's in our culture. The lost around us may look like they're alive, but spiritually they're dead. Dead in their trespasses and sins. They don't know what life is. They don't know that they're dead. They're just walking around with no real life in them. The one who does not obey the Son, the one who does not believe, shall not see life. But the condition that they're in, those who don't believe, the wrath of God remains on him. God is slow to anger. His wrath is not just that he, 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 he builds up so much and then just lashes out when he can't take it anymore. 
But His wrath is a part of His nature. He is perfectly just and perfectly holy. And in His justice and in His holiness, His wrath burns up anything that does not conform to His holy standard. The wrath of God remains on the one who does not believe. Verse 36, we're still looking at this decision. Whoever believes in the Son does not... The one whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. The one who does not obey the Son will not, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. First, there's two questions here. Do you believe? Do you believe in the Son? Do you believe that He is greater? Do you believe that you must decrease and He must increase? Do you believe that He is the Bridegroom and we should rejoice in Him? Do you believe that He is the One who is from above? Do you believe that He is the Son whom God has given everything to? Do you believe that He died for you? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But the second question is, do you know people who don't believe this? Do you know people who don't believe this? The Bible tells us if they don't believe this, they shall not see life. The Bible tells us that if they don't believe this, the wrath of God remains on them. What should we do when we know people who don't believe in the Son? We must tell them. Because He gives the Spirit without measure. Whoever believes on Him shall be saved. We need to tell them. We need to plead with them. We need to pray for them. Because ultimately it's not something that we can do. But only what is given by God. Our text leads us to this. First of all, do you believe? Do I believe? And next, what are we doing about those around us who don't believe? Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.